0: Welcome to another episode of Lineage Speaks, the podcast, an anthology series of women sharing the stories of how they carry the torch for future generations. I'm your host, Don Dantropel. And today, sharing her chapter, we have Melissa Ruiz. Melissa Ruiz, MSW, is a speaker, public speaking coach, and is no stranger to the stage. From community theater and competitive dance to first runner up at Miss New Jersey and the TEDx stage, Melissa knows the value of connecting with an audience. She holds her master's in social work from Rutgers University and worked in higher education for almost 10 years before transitioning to public speaking. Today, she helps leaders in their field overcome their fear of public speaking to create a bigger impact through her signature online course show-and-tell with Mel. She lives in New York City and loves pizza and her 95-pound dog, Gus. Chapter 14.
1: Protect. When I think of lineage, nothing good immediately comes to mind. As a Puerto Rican and first-generation born in the States and not on the island, the first flashes that come to my head are Taíno Indians enslaved by the Spanish. Lineage equals rape and pillage. Awesome. My dark-skinned grandfather had blue rings around his deep brown eyes. My light-skinned mother passed as white. And she informs so much of who I interpret myself to be. She was my first mirror in life. And I never quite knew what I was looking at when I looked at her. She was mom, she was the boss, she was always right. But I don't naturally raise my left eyebrow when I am being sexy because of her. How many past generations of Melissa particles did that? How many women felt lost and found at the same time like I do now? How many generations felt here and there at the same time? What a cool thing to consider. It's less lonely to think that someone, somewhere in time, created a ripple effect for me to be here as I am in all my glory. Rumor has it that the female line of my family on my mom's side is cursed. Something about a lover that was jealous of my mom. While I couldn't explain a lot of the WTF moments in life, I also think life is one big confusing mess of decisions we try to explain away. Taking a chance by writing this chapter is downright frightening. It feels like I am betraying an unwritten rule of silence passed on to me. I struggle with this for a few reasons. One, I was told not to air out our dirty laundry because it's no one else's business. This included therapy. I went on to get my master's in social work, be a therapist, but don't go to therapy. Check. Two, suffering is universal, but while growing up, it felt like only my mom could suffer. I was never shown what pain, reconciliation, or even authentic joy looked like. So when tasked to create it or share it, I struggle. And three, when I gave a TEDx talk a couple years ago, I could not find the right way to speak about my experience without speaking about my mom. I wanted to protect her. I didn't want to speak badly about her or have her hear that I was talking about my experiences growing up it's all connected though her actions or words that led to my pain then and my learning now are all connected in this web of human development and connection i didn't have access to that interpretation growing up so it felt easy to look for someone to blame i am sharing this now and in this format because I now see that without certain people saying certain things at certain times, my entire life could be completely different. The word protection comes to mind when I think of my lineage. It is much deeper than people I look like or sound like. It is people that now protect me on my path in this world. I often find myself asking family members for help. Let me be clearer. I ask the dead ones. My mother was a single mom. And while I know my father, I don't know my father. As a matter of fact, I don't know my mother either. She ruled the house and I don't remember much of what I did or said that made her smile. There was usually a Puerto Rican hip hop, an eye roll and a smirk that displayed her disappointment. We don't speak now, though not for a lack of me trying. I started saying that I don't think my mom knows how to be a mother to adult children. The older I got, the less of a chance I gave her to try. When she definitively detached emotionally from me, I stopped trying altogether. It felt like a release, but also a huge disappointment. Another out, another hole, another absence. I see women who like to hang out with their mothers. They ask deep questions. They know about their family history and where they got their middle name. I applaud you and I'm a little jealous. Mother's Day is triggering. National Daughters Day is triggering. As a physically grown adult, there are times when I still feel like I'm waiting to cross into adulthood. I made a decision a while back to exclude toxic people from my life. People that live in the past, people who dwell on things instead of looking for a way to grow, people who look down on creative expression and relied on routine to get through life. They all needed less access to me. So we see each other at weddings and funerals. There are so many more funerals nowadays. The adage is right. The older you get, the older everyone gets. And so when I need help or guidance, I ask the dead. I'm not asking for money or a place to stay. I'm asking for the thought, the gut reaction, the right person to say the right thing or my own ability to notice what I need to notice. Sometimes this help comes through a feeling. Other times it is a thought. The most bizarre will come in a premonition of what could be, along with an understanding that I can make choices to get to a different result. And it's becoming more prominent as I've gotten older. I will lean in and tell someone, I know that something isn't right with you. Let's step aside if you need to talk about it. And then they tear up or go in for the hug simply for having someone really see them in that moment. I'm sometimes ignorant about this gift of mine. I can't call it anything but instinct. And I can't even use it when I want to. I just think it happens when I'm supposed to help someone or supposed to protect them. When I do, the energy shifts as space is created for healing. My conclusion is that it's women of my past waiting patiently to listen. That's what it feels like, just listening. That is my only job. Lineage is about reflection and asking questions that don't make sense to get to the bottom of a feeling you can't shake. Lineage to me is curiously embracing the mess of what humans created. And one reflection led me to loss. My mother and I were at a wedding for a friend from my dance team. When they announced the grandparents of the bride, I leaned over to my mom and said, I won't have my grandparents at my wedding. My mom was 38 when she had me. My grandparents were already old at this point. But at that moment, I saw something come over her. Not quite regret of getting pregnant. It had been the 80s and it was, quote unquote, impossible to be pregnant at 38. It was more like a recognition and sadness, acknowledging what will be without any way to avoid it. Aside from funerals, it's the last memory I have of her truly emoting, and still the word protection comes to mind. When I zoom in on my direct experience as a living being, it is full of signals that guide me on a path that is safe. Yes, I have free will and can decide to go any way I want, but I've always felt nudged in certain directions. This nudge also makes it hard for me to be 100% committed to any moment or decision. It seems so transient and disconnected when I look back, but so real and purposeful in the moment. I started looking for an apartment because of a feeling that my partner was going to break up with me. I anticipated losing my job. I dreamed about life in a new city and it all happened. Some call it living in worry, It's my protection. My guides are telling me to get used to this new idea or new person. The world is changing. Let this unknown be familiar to you, they say. It's like having answers to a test with no questions. But growing up, life was really confusing. Growing up without these realizations or interpretations of what was going on. There was a double standard my mom told my brother that she would rather buy him condoms than diapers. But she told me, if you want to go on the pill, I will give you one pill and you can hold it between your legs until you're 30. I'll be the first to say, this is hilarious and a line I use in jest to this day. But when you hear it over and over again, it sends you messages. She was telling me what I could not do with my body without really telling me what I could not do with my body. Looking back, I would have much rather had a conversation with my mom about relationships and intimacy. Instead, I received rules wrapped in sarcasm. And I know it's not her fault. She did her best, I know that. And I can't help but wonder what messages she received. What was she told that informed how she thought about herself? What messages did she imply based on information presented? How did she feel when her brothers received messages that empowered them and diminished her? You know those happy matching outfit family pictures on the beach with everyone in jeans and white t-shirts? It is completely ridiculous to me that people would post for these pictures frame them and put them on display growing up we did not do that we didn't have school pictures or prom photos lining the staircase the way other houses did no proof that people lived there loved there we had random magnets that covered the refrigerator door and we decorated the homemade ceramic party favors you get from people's baby showers and weddings It was the 90s and it was a weird trend, okay? Once a week, we would clean the house and I would find myself dusting so-and-so's party favor from years before and it seems so odd to me now. Fact, women are superheroes. While my mom was at work, I was looked after by a rotation of grandmothers on both sides and a bonus grandmom that was the grandmother of a cousin. The family tree gets weird here, but it really is where women step up and create the village we so often reference. My mom's mom, also known as Graham, was particularly present. We would have sleepovers at her apartment, and I can still remember the Lipton's chicken noodle soup and grilled cheese sandwiches combo we would have for lunch as we watched The Price is Right and the news. She would sleep over at our house during the holidays, and it felt like having a best friend over. I wasn't allowed to spend the night when I was invited to sleepovers. My mom would come pick me up really late at night and then bring me back to whoever's house it was early in the morning. It was embarrassing and I hated it. So having sleepovers with Graham felt really special and rare. I remember one spring when we came back from a week away for one of my dance competitions and something wasn't quite right with Graham. There was barely any food in her apartment, she looked exhausted and couldn't quite recall how she spent her time while we were away. It's a bit of a blur, but it all became clear with an overwhelming ache and one simple devastating word, Alzheimer's. I was 11 years old and I grew up really fast after that diagnosis. Graham moved in with my mom and me, and immediately my role as granddaughter quickly shifted to caretaker. From gentle reminders and practice reading a calendar to feeding Graham through a feeding tube and rotating her when she could no longer walk, I saw her die slowly every day for seven years. In the middle where she was vocal but still lost, she would gaze off, eyes fixated on something no one else could see. She would nod her head and shake her hands, sometimes in conversation and sometimes in frustration. I don't think she was alone in those moments. I think she was visited, comforted, and maybe even confronted by women from her past as she navigated the disease with fewer and fewer words. I have learned so much in my reflection of my time with Graham and that disease. As an adult, I see more and I am open to more understanding of my past than I had access to as a child and young adult. I so wish I was wiser then, more present to truly absorb the sacred loss of memories my grandmother was experiencing. While I like to think my empath abilities were developing and I did feel her pain sometimes, the distractions of young adulthood kept me from embracing what was happening around me. Mom changed in the time Graham was sick, I can't quite pinpoint it it could have been the grams alzheimer's midlife crisis mental illness she was too proud to get help for i have i have no idea but the mom who took us on vacations and explored new towns while we were away for dance competitions and went on roller coasters with me she was gone i think i lost my mother in those years alzheimer's took two people from me and i don't know if i'll ever get over that I used to say that I would never raise my kids the way my mother raised me. I can't say that anymore. When I open my mouth, my mom comes out. There's no stopping her presence in how I live. And I see the ripple effect of Graham on her and her mother before that and on and on. My mother gave me great tools and lessons, but she didn't make them up. She learned them, experienced them firsthand, and gave me what she understood from them. In my work as a public speaker and coach, it is my true north to help people be their truest self. For a long time, I was taught to hide, to be quiet, to make life easier for everyone else. Lately, I have only been finding reasons to live out loud with lots of mistakes, new adventures, tons of charges to my credit card and unlimited sass. My lineage did not suffer for me to play it small or safe. They protect me with every step, and they let me stumble when I need a wake-up call. Lineage is deeper than who I came from. It is wrapped in the trauma and baggage of everyone before us. In her attempt to protect me, my mother helped me realize that I would rather be met with curiosity and conversation than rules and demands. Everything we do, see, taste, smell, Is because of a decision someone made years before we existed. What a scary place to live in pure potential and hope. It is my hope that we all use that opportunity to recognize and give action to our passed on potential. With every birth, there are expectations and visions for the future. What could that child do? Who will this child be? How will that child act? We get stuck in the doing of humanity instead of the being. And with age comes wisdom. So I am now wondering why I spent so much time doing instead of being and discovering the amazing, weird, silly human I am today. And I would be none of it without my lineage. There are so many questions and doubts, dreams and decisions. I now know had nothing to do with me. They were lined up long before I had a pulse. And I can't wait to see how it continues to unfold around me.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us if you found this podcast to be helpful in your journey. If you would like to experience more from the other women who contributed to this series, you can purchase a digital or printed copy of Lineage Speaks on Amazon. All proceeds go to elamugirls.com a nonprofit organization giving young girls aged 14 to 18 in Kenya, a choice, a voice and a bank account. Saving girls in Kenya from genital mutilation, sex tourism or becoming a child bride and changing their lineage story. Once again, thank you for listening. And remember, you get to write your own story how it connects you to the stories of the past and how you guide the stories of the future. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on.